thank God for well over a hundred um, teachers and team members that work weekend after weekend after weekend with our children. Uh, I believe that God is doing some amazing things in our Storyside Kids Ministry. I'm very grateful for that. Um, and so, how many of you, uh, I know we've applauded a lot, but how many of you are just thankful for our Storyside Kids workers and what they do weekend after weekend? I'm excited about the retreat. You already heard the announcement. You heard them say the H words, uh, honesty and humor. I was hoping one of them would say hugs. Uh, <laughs> but just kidding. Um, I'm <laughs> just kidding. But hopefully you can make it to the retreat. Uh, some couples have said, you know, if we come, you know, are we going to argue? Or are we going to get mad at each other? Uh, I actually think the opposite extreme. I think it's going to be awesome. Every year is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So I hope you can, hope you can join us, get refreshed, get renewed. I uh, also want to make mention that through the month of March, we're going to be going through my pastor's new book. Uh, it's called Naked and Unafraid. It's a fantastic book. Uh, I read it on the, the pre-launch uh, copy back in December, read it again the other day. So much good stuff in it. I'm going to be sharing several weekends in March from the book. Uh, and so at all three locations, uh, we have 300 copies, and, and a lot of times they go so quickly, so fast. They're $23, uh, but the church has bought bulk and also offset some of the cost so that many of you uh, can get a book. Maybe you want to buy one for a friend, they're only $10. Uh, less than half price, so uh, we just really believe it's going to help you that much. They're in the lobby if you want to stop and get uh, a book. Uh, you can do that. We're going to be going through it in the month of March, as well as having some life groups and small groups centered around uh, my pastor's book, Naked and Unafraid. I want to bring you up to speed with the NOW campaign. We actually had, uh, we would call them internal directors here. Uh, you may view it as, as board members, but we had a meeting this morning very grateful for the guys who serve in that capacity. Um, we have uh, Greg Kibler, Eric Wickham, Nathan Fisher, Dr. Drew Walker. At our meeting this morning, uh, we've been talking to several banks, and I believe we've settled on a bank, got a commitment letter on Friday, uh, and wanting to get started on the project. We've lined up builders and architects, and really the only piece or part of the puzzle right now uh, is coming up with just over $300,000 um, in addition to the several hundred thousand that's been given. And we are doing one big weekend, uh, which is February 23rd weekend. So two weekends out, we're asking everyone to do your very best gift uh, for that. And we've challenged people even on Thursday night, if there's a number in your mind, sometimes we pick the comfortable number first, like what would fit into, like I could do that. Uh, sometimes even just asking God, what if I doubled it? Uh, and it makes your heart race a little bit quicker, and it stresses you out a little bit in the moment. But sometimes faith does that to us. Like, what could I do that is above and beyond? What's the second mile uh, type of gift I could give? And so uh, you see some of the, the pictures that we have around the building, and we've posted them online. And I believe the classrooms and the stadium seating and the new family entrance, what that's going to do for the education and experience of our kids is amazing. So whether it's our children, our students, our college age, our college age groups have probably tripled, maybe quadrupled in the last year. I love uh, what God is doing with our college age. And then, of course, our internship uh, that we, we do throughout the year, several levels of internship with our little leaders, junior high and high school uh, students. And so 
uh, really excited about what that is, is going to do. It's not about building a bigger building. When you think that in your mind, it's not about building a bigger building. It's actually almost when you switch it in your mind, it's about building our children and our students. So it's not building bigger, it's lasting longer. Uh, when you hear statistics about churches closing and, you know, everyone in the church, well, we ran out of nursery and kids and, you know, they all left and it was all people up in age. Uh, you never want to build a church thinking building buildings. You want to build a church thinking it's about people, people, and more people. It's about generations. It's about lasting longer. Uh, and so we're excited uh, about that. I want to talk to you in our time together in the next 20 or 30 minutes. I want to talk to you on the subject of legacy. Everyone say legacy. I never, uh, I, real, I really don't. I told someone this week, they were asking uh, just about longevity in ministry and especially being in the same area for a long period of time. So the average pastor stays in an area for three years. Uh, they say the average person stays in a church for about 18 months. So sometimes you can have a lot of transition at play. I went to Bible college in 1990. So this is my 30th year as I've shared this is uh, our 17th year at Storyside. We started uh, in March, uh, and so we'll be 17 years old next month. And even during worship today, I'm watching as people are coming forward for prayer, I'm looking at the prayer team leaders, and, and as I'm looking across, I really am in my heart, I'm thinking like, I, I love the Sanders. I love Dr. Burgraff coming in and seeing uh, Mike and, and, and his family and you know, their newborn baby, and legitimately, you know, sometimes when you do something for a while, you work at a job 5, 10, 15 years, you like lose your love for it. Uh, th this is the honest truth. I, I love the people of StorySide. Every time I get the opportunity to stand up here and share, I don't take it lightly. I'm glad that we get to live life together. I'm glad that we watch each other, our children grow spiritually and grow in our faith, and so uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to be uh, part of the, the pastoral team and leadership here at the church, and, and I don't take that lightly. I'm glad that you, out of, there's 247 churches in our area, that you would choose Storyside as your house of faith, uh, and we don't, we, don't take that, we don't take that lightly. When you talk about legacy, and you talk about building something that is going to last long term, just by a show of hands, how many parents do we have in the room today? Uh, you have you have children, you're willing to claim them. Parents, wow, it's a lot of them. How many grandparents? Grandparents in the room today. Uh, those of you that, that even you're a guardian, you're caring for children, I, I give a shout out to you as well uh, and your heart for that. They say that everyone leaves a legacy. Everyone leaves a legacy. Whether they want to or not, the question is, what kind of legacy will you leave? kind of legacy will you leave? Speaking of what we'll leave, whether it's parents or grandparents that would raise a hand up in the air today, I heard the joke about the grandfather who had serious hearing problems uh, for a number of years, and so he went to the doctor to be fitted for a hearing aid that they said would return his hearing to close to 100%. And so he went and, and he had a hearing aid, um, and, and he had it put in, and and he went back a month later to the doctor for test, and the doctor said, wow, your, your hearing is close to perfect. Your family must be really pleased that you can hear again. The grandpa replied, he said, oh, I, I haven't told them yet. 
Uh, I just sit around and listen to their conversations, and I've changed my will three times. Uh, <laughs> I heard the joke about the grandpa who was talking to his grandson, and the grandson, I, I have four kids, and they're always inquisitive, and especially my younger guys, uh, always asking questions, and the grandpa's talking to his grandson, and the grandson asked his grandpa how old he was, and the grandpa jokingly repi- replied, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure. And the little boy thought about it for a couple of minutes, and he said, Grandpa, I think you should check your underwear. Mine says, I'm four to six. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not funny. Kids, kids, they definitely can bring some smiles. I heard uh, the joke about little Johnny. Uh, the school had had a break, and when they came back from break, the school teacher asked her class about their time off and if anyone took trips or anyone had done anything fun. And little Johnny's waving his hand, and the teacher said, Johnny, you know, what, what did you do? What, what did your family do for fun? Little Johnny said, well, our family visited my grandma in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the teacher said, well, that sounds fun, Johnny. Can you tell the class how to spell Minneapolis, Minnesota? Little Johnny thought for a few seconds and said, actually, we went to Ohio. (laughs) When we raise children or we raise grandchildren, it's not always easy. Raising children, raising grandchildren is not always easy. Raising them with a proper mentality, raising them with confidence, Raising them in an atmosphere where they can dream and grow. Raising them honors a big thing for us here at Storyside. We often say that we want to honor up, honor down, honor all around. We believe that everything and everyone is better with honor. Schools are better with honor. Homes are better with honor. It could be as simple as returning a shopping cart. It could be as simple as holding a door open for somebody. Everything and everyone's better with honor. We want to raise our children with those types of of principles, raising children and grandchildren, it's not always easy. There's over 2.5 million children here in our state, here in Ohio. When you look at the dropout rates, when you look at the statistics and studies on teenage alcohol use here in Ohio and the deaths that come from uh, our teenagers that get involved with those types of decisions and choices, if you were to study the drug epidemic. I, I am honored that on Monday and Tuesday nights we do Freedom Nights. I'm honored. Uh, we're in two counties. and one of the counties, they say we have the largest attendance of any of the groups gathering. Uh, I know that maybe we're not changing every life. I wish we could, but we are changing some. And when I hear them say, I've been clean for fill in the blank, I celebrate every one of those stories. When you look at the lack of parenting here in our state or for others, the loss of parenting, They say statistically that suicide is the leading cause of death in Ohio between children ages 10 to 14. All of those statistics, all of those numbers should be very sobering to us. It should get our attention. We should be drawn to hearing those types of things. Children have real problems. It could be everything from depression, discouragement, bullying, lack of having that parental voice. Children have real problems. If, if you're even wondering today, Pastor Micah, how, how do children have real, real problems? How, 
How does an eight-year-old have real problems? How, how does a 12-year-old have real problems? Think about it through this lens. Some of us are still digging out of holes that were brought on when we were a child. Some of you are still dealing with names, comments. You weren't planned. You were a mistake. You were the black sheep of the family. Favoritism, comments, you'll never amount to anything. I, I, I deal with people day after day after day. Some people are still digging out of those kind of holes. Children have real problems. I heard about the little boy that walked into his house and he's covered in dirt all over his jeans and all over his shirt, and the dirt and the filth. He, he walks into the house and his mom asks, her little boy said, why, why do you always get so dirty? The little boy responded to his mom. He said, well, I'm a lot closer to the ground than you are. Think about it. Think about your world. Think about your life. Some of you get up, you go to work, you work long hours, you come home, you're happy to get a little bit of food, maybe wind down for a bit, and you fall into bed and you don't even remember falling asleep. I look at my life. I, I could spend so much of my time, whether it's with you in settings like this or, or, or with staff or gatherings or meetings, I want you to view it through this lens. Your, your child, our children, a lot of times they are closer to the dirt. They're closer to the filth. They're constantly being bombarded. Whether or not it's people telling them there is no God. That creation doesn't exist. That there is no heaven. There is Whether or not it's being around the constant peer pressure, sometimes they come in more dirty because they're closer to it than even what we are at times. We should be challenged. We should be stirred to do everything in our power to help our children and to help our students live a life of spirituality. When we understand that children have real problems, we don't want to just point out the problem. Well, you know those millennials, you know that generation, you know how kids are. Well, if that was my child, Pastor Micah, what good does it do to sit back and just point out problems? May God, may the Holy Spirit stir us today to be part of the solution. What can we do to make Ohio a better place? They say that 15.1% of children accept Jesus ages 6 or younger. I would be in that statistic. I was 5. 32.1% accept Jesus ages 7 to 11. 36.8% accept Jesus ages 12 to 19. 84% accept Jesus by age 20. The Barna Group, which is another study separate of this one, says only one quarter become believers after age 21. Luke chapter 18 is the two verses that I want to read today and draw our theme, our message from. Verse 15 and 16 of Luke 18 says, Some people brought their little children for Jesus to bless. But when his disciples saw them doing this, they told the people to stop 
bothering, everyone say bothering, stop bothering him. So Jesus called the children over to him and said, let the little children come to me. Don't try to stop them. People who are like these children belong to God's kingdom. Some brought, some brought, some brought their little children to Jesus. Which when you think of it through that lens, some, some brought, Steph, some brought, Ashley, you're a parent, some brought, Rob, you're a parent, some brought, some brought their little children to Jesus, which if some brought, that leads us to believe that some didn't. Some brought, which would imply some didn't. And it says they didn't just bring children, they brought their children. It personalizes it. I think a challenge for all of us today would be to accept spiritual responsibility for our children. Some brought their children to Jesus to accept the weight. You know, when parents are raising children, and this is just observation over my years, so, some people, they could view church as secondary to sports. My, my kids play sports, travel sports and some. The expense of that, the, the responsibility, don't miss this month and don't be gone this part of the summer and come to these practices three times a week. Sometimes church can be secondary to sports. Sometimes it could be secondary to school. School's going to tell you, you were late this day. Church doesn't ever send a note to say, hey, you got to hear the second song. School can tell you you've missed X amount of days. Church, church is not going to tell you, church is not going to tell you, hey, you, you missed 17 Sundays this year. Sports would tell you that. Sports would tell you, hey, you missed too many practices. You're going to sit on the bench. You see what I'm saying about if we're not careful, we remove responsibility from the spiritual factor of our lives. I was talking to a little three-year-old girl this week. My oldest, who's turning 20, was watching some children here of a family that comes to our church. And the little three-year-old girl was telling me, she said, I go to school, and I, initially I wasn't even sure what she was referencing. She said, I go to school, and so I'm thinking that would be like pre of pre of pre-K. It's like you're, you're turning three, and then I realized in the conversation she was talking about church. She was calling Storyside school. And while I started to laugh, it was almost like the Holy Spirit stopped me and said she is going to school. And it's an education that will pay off all the way to eternity. Some, 
some brought their children. They didn't complain about the gas. They didn't complain about it's another night out of my week. They realized this is a big deal. And they brought their children to Jesus. Ask yourself the question today. How am I helping my kids? How am I helping my kids? Do I pray with them? Do I have courageous conversations with them? Do I encourage them to be involved? You see, over the years, a lot of times, as parents, we can make the church the enemy. Well, you know how church is. They want you here on Tuesday night, and, you know, they, if you're going to sing, you got to practice, and, you know, if you're going to come to kids' ministry, and they do this, like, vision night with the students, and I can't believe the church takes up all, and, and you can turn the church into the enemy. You create a monster. And then when a child is 18 or 19 or 20, you can call that same monster and say, hey, I need you to pray for my child. They went here, they done that, they, and I really need you to pray, Pastor Micah. And now we need the monster to step in and be the Savior. Don't make the church the enemy. Don't make the church your excuse. Don't talk bad about the church. The church is God's plan A. The church is meant to help raise your children in partnership with you. The question is not only what will I do with my kids. One of, one of the great dangers of, of almost a ministry mindset you know, we would use this cliche. We would say, Pastor Mike, I don't have a dog in that fight. Why, why would I help give $525,000? Why would I help give that money to kids, students, interns, if I don't have a child doing that? Why, why would I be part of that? It can be a dangerous mindset if we only view it as, I will get involved if it's my child. So while I celebrate some people brought their kids, I also know that that pendulum, that extreme could be that if our kids aren't involved, we don't feel as much of the responsibility. And so I ask you, it's the reason why I left the blank there. I don't want you just to pose the question, how am I helping my kids? I would like you to ask yourself today, how am I helping community kids? How am I helping foster kids? How am I helping school kids? How am I helping orphan kids? How am I helping not just the kids that are here now? How am I helping the kids that are coming in 2021? Or 2022? Or 2023? Because if you just view this as, I'll only serve, I'll only volunteer, I'll only be on a dream team, I'll only give if it's my kid. If that mindset takes over, 
then you're only going to care about freedom nights if you have a family member who's an addict. We should care about people with addictions whether or not it's close to home or not. Our singles ministry has exploded. Every gathering it grows. I love hearing the winds of people relationally encouraging one another, supporting one another, praying for right relationships to come into their lives. I love hearing about what God is doing in our singles ministry. But if you're married, it would be very easy for you to pull back and not really pray about the singles ministry, not support the singles ministry, not really care about the singles ministry. You don't want to develop a narrow mind where it's only my kid, my family, my money. People over the years will become very passionate when they have a family member in prison. They will say, Pastor Micah, can you visit? I just got put on a list yesterday, yesterday to go next Saturday and visit someone next weekend. But some people will become very passionate when it's their family member in prison. Jesus said, I, Jesus is talking, I was in prison and you visited me. And they said, well, when were you in prison? He said, as much as you've done it to the least of these. As a church, we don't want to just get stirred, whether or not it's prison or missions or creatives or students. The list goes on. You don't want to just get stirred when it's your family. or We want to have a heart for ministry as a whole. I don't just give because it meets my preference. I don't just give because it's something that touches me. I do it because it is the right thing to do. In our final few minutes together today, what I want to celebrate when I read these two verses is the fact that some people brought, some people brought, some people brought, and I want to celebrate what I would call bringers. Everyone say bringers. I talked to a business leader just in the last couple of weeks here locally, and he was telling me that both him and his staff watch us on TV. We're on TV three times a week, and they were sharing that they watch on TV, and they love it. And I know he meant well. He's my friend. We've golfed together. We've been to sports games together. I know he meant well in what he told me, but I had to write it down because I think this could, this could be a concept that works against us at times. Here's what he said. I love that we can go to church without having to go to church. I love that we can go to church without having to go to church. I've shared before, as much as I love live stream, our weekends on Facebook Live, which will be our next service, it usually generates 2,500, sometimes more, viewers of people that are skimming, scanning, viewing, watching, commenting. Be about 2,500 plus people that will watch the service that will play at 1045. The danger of this mindset of I love that we can go to church without having to go to church is that 10 years from now, it's very possible that we'll look back and see how we fed the parents, but we've starved our children. I don't believe that everyone online is saying to 
or son and daughter. Hey, let's gather around the iPad. Let's gather around the phone. But that son or daughter who's running the hallways or playing a video game or outside while mom and dad's enjoying church, I'm talking to you today about legacy. I'm not trying to stir you to believe in building something for five or ten years. I'm asking you to believe that until God returns, until eternity as we know it takes place, but until that time, we will tarry, we will work, we will sow, we will build, we will raise children, we will raise students, because we want something that's not going to stop in 10 years. We want something that's not going to come to a screeching halt. We want to be part, not of religion, we want to be part of God's great church that he said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it so i celebrate the bringers i celebrate every parent every grandparent every guardian every uncle every aunt i know the craziness and the chaos that can come with getting kids to church my wife sings on the worship team at times and will get up at 5.30 and, you know, start getting ready. And I just know in those moments that whether it's my daughters or at times me, if they're at friends, like it's our job to realize how much work my wife does day after day after day after day, getting my 11 and 10-year-old who even this morning, my 10-year-old boy hit the snooze button four times. Last night he told me, I'm going to 9 a.m., Dad. I'm at 9 a.m. He's not at 9 a.m. He's not here. I gave him four chances. The clothes and the car rides and pulling in and waiting in line. I've watched people before it get pulled over and sometimes they'll pull them right in the parking lot and people getting tickets and then for whatever reason sometimes on Sunday it's almost like the enemy loves for you to argue or there's a temptation to just like get into it with other people in your family and, and the temptation could be for you to turn around and then if you do get here and you have children there's a good chance if your child starts acting crazy you know like we tell the teachers and the team, do everything in your power not to put a number on the screen. I don't like numbers on the screen. I want you to enjoy service. And when I see a number up on the screen, I know all the conversations we've had where it's like, try to love them, try to care. try. And when the number goes up, I know that your child like stepped over that line. Whatever that line was, it's your child. When I watch you walk out, I'm like, God, just be with them as they're going back there. When you get little kids and car seats and you know you may have to step out and watch on a TV in the lobby, sometimes when I go back there, there's 10 or 12 people back there. I know how easy it would be to say, I'm just staying home. Why all the hassle? Why all the work? Why the clothes, the car ride, knowing I'm going to have to walk out and walk on it? I'm just going to stay home today and I need to press pause and celebrate all of the bringers that are willing to say, I know it's a hassle and I know it's work and I know babies can be 
but I'm getting my family into the presence of God, I would submit to you today, I'm a byproduct of bringers, and many of you are probably the same. Thank God for people who didn't stay home and walk out and quit. You and I are here today because somebody believed and somebody bring us to the presence of God. Everyone say bringers. They not only brought them, they brought them to be blessed. They brought them to be blessed. They didn't bring them to be babysat. The win for Storyside Kids is not to contain them for an hour so you can enjoy church. The purpose of Storyside Kids is for them to stabilize spiritually at a young age. Dr. Brad, who's 72, was sharing with me yesterday how he and his wife Becky are watching the movie Overcomer. And in the midst of the movie, it's one of the people in the movie who has a hard heart and struggling with some situations taking place in their life. And Dr. Brad is just sharing with me yesterday, he said, his seven-year-old grandchild, a song came on, and the song starts playing, it's I'm a child of God, and the seven-year-old grandchild knows the song, knows the lyrics, and tells grandma and grandpa, I learned that at church. The song on the movie, I, I learned that at church. You see, you don't just bring your grandchild so that we like get him in a room like, don't move. Don't bite, don't kick, like, we'll just get you back to your parents in an hour. It's not the win. The win is so a seven-year-old's walking around the room. I'm a child of God. As they're watching the movie, grandchild little Tegan began to tell his grandparents, that lady has, that lady has a closed heart. This is what they were sharing with me. That lady has a closed heart. As the movie played out, this person begins to open up to God's presence and that same seven-year-old said to their grandma and grandpa, that lady, she opened up her heart to God. I want to challenge the parents, the grandparents, the guardians today. We're trying to get the seven-year-olds of Ohio, the seven-year-olds in your life to understand this is close-hearted this is open-hearted. This is how we shouldn't live. Bitterness and offense. This is how we should live. This, this, that's what we want to take place with child after child after child. Our communities will be better. Our cities will be better. Our state will be better when our children have a relationship with God. we get ready to pray the problem in this passage is that the disciples are bothered bothered everyone say bothersome As we get ready to pray I know that babies can be burdensome and kin kids can seem inconvenient children are often viewed in 2020 in our nation children are often viewed as invaluable look no further than the numbers on abortion and you will see that some people view children as invaluable. But it's not just abortion, it's the actions even of abandonment. My heart breaks 
for the growing mentality that babies are burdens. It's sad to see parents walk away from sons and daughters. We've assessed our children's ministry. We've assessed our student ministry. We've assessed our interns. And sometimes the numbers have blown me away at the amount of children and students that have said, my dad's not in my life. My mom's not in my life. I don't ever talk to them. I don't ever see them. I sincerely apologize to every child that has faced the pains of feeling unloved or unimportant in the eyes of their parent. And it's no wonder that pure religion, according to Scripture, emphasizes the care that the church must give children without father figures. It's not an option. We don't have a choice here. It's not thumbs up or thumbs down to if you want to be part of this. The Bible says in James, pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless. Yes, we can point the finger. I don't like abortion. Life begins in the womb. I don't like parents abandoning their kids. But that does not excuse churches of shutting down nurseries, shutting down kids' ministry. Shut it. it does not excuse you and I from not taking care of these children in our communities and cities and state. It is the mandate of the church to say we will not abandon you. We will not walk away from you. We will love you. We will mentor you. We will coach you. Come on, story side, we can be that kind of church. They were bothered. But they don't accept, they don't accept responsibility, Dr. Burgraff, for their bother. They actually blame Jesus. They said, don't bother him. They use Christ to justify their aggravations. And I see it all the time where we often spiritualize our frustrations. Don't put words in God's mouth. Jesus has no problem with the children coming. Don't blame God for what you don't like. I can't believe they're running around. Take that hat off. Stop running. Would you? If that was my kid and I'd spank him and I'd stop. Especially when you spiritualize it. Like I think God would be really upset right now. Can I just tell you in this passage, Jesus has no problem with the kids coming to Him. But the disciples want to use Him to justify their frustration. And Jesus tells them, don't try to stop them. Don't try to to stop them. What if we were saying no to what God was saying yes to? What if we were hindering when we should have been helping? The devil knows. And I tell you today, the devil knows if he stops the kids. Jesus said, don't stop them. Don't stop them. Don't lose your legacy. Children are the most valuable asset and our greatest hope for our future. 
Today in God's presence, I'm asking you to live with vision that outlives you. Live with vision that outlives you. With this new expansion, the bank sent me an email on Thursday before final approval on Friday. They sent me an email on Thursday and they just said, you know, Micah, with a 26-year term, first-year interest only, and they're going through the dynamics of the loan, the details. What, what if something happens to you? Like what, what, if, what if you're not here? And they preface the email by saying, I know it's a black and white blunt, but what, what happens? Who takes over? What? Because the reality is, outside of paying it off early, which would be our hope, I'd be in my early 70s. But it actually affirmed. So my pastor, Pastor Kevin, I'm part of a network, several hundred churches. We have three oversight. We have the internal directors. We have three to five names we've already processed. So I had all the answers for the bank, but that's not what stood out to me. What stood out to me was just that it affirmed what I already had, Steve, in my heart that I don't want us to do something that only fits into our lifetime. That I want to do something that even if I wasn't in the equation, there's still kids being saved, there's still kids learning about Jesus, and there's still kids walking around saying, honor up, honor down, honor all around. And there's kids that are still, I don't want to live a life that only does things that are beneficial to me. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 22 and 5, David said, we should build a very great temple for the Lord, but my son is young and does not yet, yet, yet. We're talking about what many consider the wisest man to ever live, Solomon. But there was a day he wasn't considered the wisest man ever. But it says, my son is young and does not yet have enough experience to know how to do it well. It should be so great and beautiful that it will be famous among all the nations, so I will prepare what is needed to build it. So before David died, before David died, before David died, he prepared everything needed to build a great temple. You don't just want to live with a vision that outlives you. You want to give. You want to give to a vision that outlasts you. It's been very emotional this week. Preparing for this message because I couldn't help but when I started thinking about fatherless kids and I couldn't help but start thinking of some of the kids in the internship and it's like maybe it's happened to you today in the message I, I literally could see faces and names I see Ann nodding her head you've helped with students for years I, they just kept coming to mind when I went home Thursday night my oldest daughters was like dad we've never had the conversation but they're like dad what you said about if you're not in the equation and you're in your 70s and what happens to the church like what my own daughters are like dad what so what does happen tell us what happens been emotional at times. But here's what I've summed, summed up, Rob, just in my own life, and I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to make a generational commitment. 
I'm asking you to make a generational commitment. I'm asking you like David to say, I am willing to believe in, to support, to encourage, not just my generation, but generations to come. So I know it can be awkward, maybe for students in your row, could be awkward for your own children if they're close to you. But I would love as I get ready to pray at 1020, I would love if you would find someone that's younger in your row, your section, look them right in the eye. Will you do it? Will you look them right in the eye right now? Would you tell them I'm with you? Come on, look them right in the eye. Tell them I'm for you. Tell them I support you. It's a serious thing because not everyone's telling them that. They don't hear that everywhere. I know it can sound funny, but, but they don't hear that everywhere. They've had some of the people closest to them in their life that have walked away. Some of the closest people to them have abandoned them. And I want them to know today, not just Mike, I want them to hear it from you. I'm for you. I am for you. I support you. I cheer you on. Whether I'm here or not here, I'm with you. I choose to make a generational commitment. Not just the God of Abraham, not just the God of Isaac, not just the God of Jacob. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All generations, top to bottom. We are one body of Christ, one family. Would you close your eyes today and give me the opportunity to pray with you? Little Tegan, the seven-year-old that I talked about, the song he was singing was, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Maybe today in the room, you don't feel like you're a child of God. You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've, you've never really thought about a relationship with God. But I'm asking you, don't just take the words of a 46-year-old. Take, take the words of a 7-year-old. Take Tegan's words today. And understand that today in this moment, in this prayer, you could become a child of God. You say, how do I do that, Micah? The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart, if you will say, the Bible uses the word confess, if you'll say it with your mouth, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, you'll be saved. You turn from living a life that's about you. You choose to follow Jesus and say, I want to live a life of purpose. I want to follow Christ. And if that's you today, you would say, I, I would like to make that decision, Pastor Micah. I just want you to raise a hand right now. I believe everyone has their eyes closed, but you just want to slip up a hand and say, will you pray for me today? I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I believe there's four hands right over here, a hand here. I want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe others that you've got sidetracked, whether it's sin, shame, you've got sidetracked, and you want to leave today back on track with God. Knowing, not maybe or might, but, but for sure, confident, I am a child of God. 
God, I pray over every person right now that has made that decision to raise a hand to say, I want to be a child of God. I want to turn. I want to repent. I want to make things right. I pray that you would forgive. I pray that you would strengthen. I pray that you would save. With eyes closed, I also want to ask the question, if you're here today and you're serious, you want to make a generational commitment that Yes, I will commit to my kids, but I'll also commit to kids in general, the students in general, and you feel it stirring in your heart. You want to make a generational commitment. I just want you to raise a hand to say, when I see them in a lobby, I'm going to encourage them. When I see them passing on the street, I'm going to high five or fist bump or say hello. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to uplift them. I'm going to believe in them. I want to make a generational commitment. Hands are going up all over the room. I thank you for taking this moment so serious. Hands are still going up. That the church is not going to go down on my watch. That the church is not going to come to a screeching halt in my county, in my area. Not on my watch, not in my time. I'm going to believe that I will be a part of a church that is alive. And that is vibrant. And that is reaching souls. And that is changing a generation. I want to be part of that kind of a church. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand all over the room and sing it together? Are you thankful you're part of the church?